the joint session of Congress, according to the intelligence community, terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. Not ISIS, not Al-Qaeda, white supremacists. The adults are back in the room. It's time for better lies. Flyover Politics Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. tell a few of those stories now. This is the, the story of Ben Salomon. He was a surgeon at Saipan during World War II. Saipan is in the Marianas Islands. It was the site of some pretty bloody battles. According to his Medal of Honor actual description, the regiment's 1st and 2nd Battalions, because he was serving for the 105th Infantry Regiment and the 27th Infantry Division, the regiment's 1st and 2nd Battalions were attacked by an overwhelming force estimated between 3,000 and 5,000 Japanese soldiers. It was one of the biggest attacks during the entire Pacific Theater in World War II, the enemy penetrated the battalion's combined perimeter and inflicted tremendous casualties. In the very first minutes of the attack, approximately 30 wounded soldiers walked or crawled or were carried into Captain Salomon's aid station, and the small tent was soon filled with the wounded. As the perimeter began to be overrun, Captain Salomon was trying to work on the wounded. There were too many wounded. And then he saw a Japanese soldier bayoneting one of the wounded soldiers lying near the tent. I mean, this is how immediate the battle was. From a squatting position, Captain Salomon quickly killed the enemy soldier. As he turned his attention back to the wounded, two more Japanese soldiers appeared in the front entrance of the tent. As these enemy soldiers were killed, four more crawled under the tent walls. Captain Salomon then kicked a knife out of the hand of one, shot another, and bayoneted a third. He butted the fourth enemy soldier in the stomach, and a wounded comrade then shot and killed the enemy soldier. Captain Salomon then ordered the wounded to make their way as best they could back to the regimental aid station. He attempted to hold off the enemy essentially single-handedly. He grabbed a rifle from one of the wounded. He rushed out of the tent. After four men were killed while manning a machine gun, he then took control of the machine gun. When his body was later found, there were 98 dead enemy soldiers piled in front of his position. An unbelievable heroism. This is the story of William Hawkins. William Hawkins was decorated for valorous and gallant conduct above and beyond the call of duty. He was the commanding officer of a scout sniper platoon attached to the 2nd Marines in action against Japanese-held Tarawa in the Gilbert Islands, again, this is another hugely bloody battle. People tend to underestimate the bloodiness of the Pacific War because so much media attention is placed on the Atlantic War for a variety of, I think, politically correct reasons. The Pacific War was unbelievably bloody. The conduct of the Japanese military was incredibly vicious. In fact, in terms of how the military engaged with, with American POWs, significantly more vicious in the Pacific than in the Atlantic. The first to disembark from a Jeep lighter, First Lieutenant Hawkins unhesitatingly moved forward under heavy enemy fire, at the end of a pier, neutralizing emplacements and coverage of troops assaulting the main breach positions. He led his men on to join the forces fighting desperately to gain a beachhead and repeatedly risked his life throughout the day and night to direct and lead attacks, attacks on pillboxes and installations with grenades and demolition. First Lieutenant Hawkins returned to the dangerous mission of clearing the limited beachhead of Japanese resistance the following day. 
He personally initiated an assault on a hostile fortified by five enemy machine guns and crawling forward in the face of withering fire, boldly fired point blank into the loopholes and completed the destruction with grenades. He was wounded in the chest in a serious fashion and he steadfastly continued to fight, destroying three more pillboxes before he was caught in a burst of Japanese shellfire and mortally wounded. And of course, there's a lot of focus in the United States on World War II. But the reality is that we've had so many Americans fall in wars that are far less glorified by the media, the Korean War. The reason that South Korea exists today, the Korean War. The story of Bryant Womack, a medic who continued to help fellow soldiers even after losing his arm in battle. Private First Class Womack distinguished himself. He was the only medical aid man attached to a night combat patrol when sudden contact with the numerically superior enemy produced numerous casualties, according to his Medal of Honor description. Private First Class Womack went immediately to their aid, although this necessitated exposing himself to a devastating hail of enemy fire, during which he was seriously wounded. Refusing medical aid himself, he continued to move among his comrades administering aid. While aiding one man, he was again struck by enemy mortar fire. This time, he lost his right arm in the mortar fire. He still refused aid, knowing that he would probably die. He insisted all efforts be made for the benefit of others who were wounded. He was unable to perform the task himself, but remained on scene and directed others in first aid techniques. The last man to withdraw, he walked until he collapsed from loss of blood. He died a few minutes later while being carried by his comrades. Up, up next, the latest glimpse. I think Memorial Day should just go away. Some students at Georgetown University, home to Hunter Biden, have backed a phony petition demanding America unrecognize Memorial Day because it glorifies imperialism. Uh, they could change the name to Kamala's Long Weekend. That would be funny. The question is, can Americans even still unite around Memorial Day? I don't think Memorial Day should be a thing that we celebrate personally. Okay, why not? Um, I feel like it's a celebration of U.S. imperialism and colonialism, personally. It's not like an attack on any individual, but more of a system. Absolutely not. Uh, I think it represents a lot of negative aspects of America and highlights something that, you know, people shouldn't necessarily be proud of. Um, I do think we should probably rebrand Memorial Day as something else. Like, let's, let's celebrate something worthwhile instead of imperialism. Jesus, they would be dead if it wasn't for people fighting for their freedom. Terrorism from white supremacy is the gravest threat to the homeland. Jason Johnson, your thoughts. You know, my most charitable interpretation of this speech is that Joe Biden believes that the effective way to speak to the American people is to sort of come out with this, hey, I just found this out too, you need to know, right? Because when I look at what happened in Tulsa, it's been 100 years. Black historians have been talking about this for decades. We're, we're, we're down to only a couple of people left who are survivors. What I wanted to hear, if you show up to a place that was the location of a massacre that took place in this country 100 years ago, I'm sorry, and this may sound really reductionist, but cut a check. Cut a check. The survivors of Tulsa, their families are still there, and they've got nothing for it. Even the state won't give them any money. So the, the idea that the president's going to come there and talk about the terrible things that happened and then hop on a plane and no one is necessarily better off is a problem. And I want to be really clear about this for everybody to understand. Yes, it is great that Joe Biden said that this was a massacre and this is terrible, et cetera, et cetera. But we don't need programs for disadvantaged people. We don't need programs for excluded people. This was a black attack. And welcome back to Flavor Politic Podcast. It's the 2nd of June, year of our Lord, 2021. And yes, I no longer have a beard. My wife hoodwinked me. She showed me a little guide 
or a guard for a clipper and said, this thick? And I go, yeah. And she went, yeah. Because she hates my beard. But it'll grow back. I'll get a chin again. No, I don't have a chin. But that intro pretty much sums everything up. It's going to be the theme of our show. We, we don't talk about facts. Um, you know, I've covered it once briefly. But we're, we're going to hit, you know, some serious stuff today that just shows that they're just lying. And he starts with the same old line that white supremacy is the biggest threat to America. When we have people hacking, we have COVID that they said is the biggest threat ever. Because um, they, they need something. And then you see Ben Shapiro actually cover Moral Day like we should, but they don't want to. And then you have that campus reform, which I was going to play, but let the Gutfeld show, or we just need to get rid of it because it's imperialism shit. And you see Johnson over on MSDNC showing what it always is. It has nothing to do with reality and facts or whatever. It's the agenda. We need that to get elected. It's politics. So we just lie. I mean, every fucking day... Biden says something and then closes a speech with a blurb about the troops. But the reality is the troops are just a prop when he needs them. He still believes they're all racist pieces of shit. And this weekend, while most Americans, you know, I could play a NASCAR, I could play an Indy, they commemorated the troops. They talked about the troops, but not Biden. No, we were we were talking about freaking the Tulsa race riot from 100 years ago. Because, you know, somebody came up with it on HBO, and not that it didn't exist. I'm just saying wasn't something we really talked about, but then they bring it back, and now it's the thing. Man, we can get a lot of fucking real estate off of what happened 100 years ago. I mean, 100 years ago, something horrible happened. And it's true, but even then they don't talk about the truth. The truth is some racist motherfuckers fucked people up, but they just didn't walk in there and do it. Some black people got guns. Then the racist motherfuckers came out. So we can't even say the truth and the truths that it was a two side and then one side went fucking way too far and it was horrible. And yes, as a country, we buried it. I heard somebody talking today that the New York Times used to say it was okay and the KKK were good people and blah, blah, blah. Well, right now, the New York Times and everybody's saying Antifa is some good people, too. While they're saying Trump's saying uh, good people on both sides. I mean, any way you cut this, both sides are wrong. When violence is your answer, both sides are wrong. But the vice president and the president are wronger. And even Twitter could barely cover up this tomfoolery. Here's your president. Stay cool. Stay cool. Really? Stay cool. That's what you say on Memorial Day weekend. Okay. That that sounds good. That sounds really good. Replies to this. An idiotic and not too presidential message from a creepy Joe in honor of Memorial Day. Remember the last the thing I played from a speech on Memorial Day, or what he commemorated on Friday, was how a, a little girl looked like she was 19 and he wanted to hump her leg like a poodle. that That's what we say if it was Trump. 
you know, we, we definitely say that. That would be what we say because, oh, yeah. Let me back the mic a little closer because I want to sit back. I'm feeling a little better today. Uh, COVID, too. I meant to do that up front. It, it, wow. Man, I felt like shit. Just felt like shit. So this one definitely hit. I had the, the tit in the armpit didn't come out until like yesterday. It's still swollen. I had intestinal issues and I've slept a lot. We're talking like 10 hours and then a two hour nap every day. It just, some people get affected by it. Some people don't. I, I did. Be careful, lady. Somebody says five seconds prior to hair sniffing. Did you sniff her hair? Because the pictures of the company is the ice cream. Then Biden, or his, or Harris, the real president, enjoy the long weekend. Enjoy the long weekend. Hmm. There was one person that took it to task. Raheem Kasim. Since Kamel and Joe opted for the fuck veterans approach to Memorial Day, let's take a trip down memory lane and how the corporate media freaked out over Donald Trump's Memorial Day messages. And this is a doozy. It's some good shit. If you wonder if Salizzo will be offering the same advice to Joe and Kamala as he offered Trump back in 2018. Donald Trump just put the me in Memorial Day. You express thanks to those who have served and condolences for those who have been lost. That's it. That's the statement. No, really. Okay. Associated Press and NBC called Trump's Memorial Day message, which thanked troops and law and American economy, as Stone death. ABC had a whole segment on it, and it sounded like this. Uh, John, yesterday, the president's Twitter on Memorial Day drew some fire uh, across the political spectrum. Uh, absolutely. Uh, the, the president, as you see, uh, saying happy Memorial Day, that those who died would be happy and proud of how great the country is doing and incited uh, some of his record. This really uh, struck a lot of people the wrong way. We reached out to Snuffburger, but he's still licking fucking uh, Clinton's taint. So we couldn't get that. Karen Travers was triggered. Back then, any word on tweets from Joan Kamala? Trump touts his accomplishment. Memorial Day tweets about fallen soldiers. Some, including Paul D. Eaton, 52. I guess I don't have that one. Oh, this is this one. I'm sorry. Uh, 52, we're happy to cry about Trump's feed back then. So not so hot about Kamala. I was a Vietnam vet. I've been there, man. Nothing today from B. Joe Wolf either. Was remembering the fall of truth just mean to attack Trump for all these? Hey, Donald Trump, I fixed this for you. Memorial Day. NPR. Laura Wamsley was all over this in 2018. Here's uh, David Frum. Which isn't in the article, so I don't know where the fuck I got it. Hmm. Interesting. It's all there. You see it. When they weren't doing, ignoring their lack of thing, here is, uh, this is from Huffa, the Atlantic, yeah. Merle Day 2017, I don't get it. What was in it for them? This is what Donald Trump asked John Kelly's wife while visiting son's grave in Arlington National Cemetery. On a day to remember for those who sacrificed all our country, brave Jeffrey Goldberg decides it's appropriate to resurface this unsourced rumor he spread about Trump 
with the sole intention of bring, give, helping Biden win the election. You got your medal, Jeffrey. Congrats. That was a false story, but, you know. And then in my personal one, um, this was my first NASCAR uh, Memorial Day, and I got to admit it was very moving. I really liked what they did. But then you could see they come out with this, the Trevor Project. So for those who don't know, uh, the Trevor Project is based on gay kids' suicides. And once again, those numbers are sourced by GLAAD from a self-reported survey where kids were asked, do you feel suicidal? Now, I'm not going to get into the semantics of whether trans kids or kids that don't question who they are are more suicidal than other kids. I'm sure they are, because if you don't know what your sex is and who you are, it'd be a little rough. I gotta admit, it it would be rough. But all kids, in some form or fashion, are suicidal. Now, during the time we've been doing this, and Democrat politicians have been pushing this Trevor Project and that trans kids are killing themselves and a, a genocide, as they said during the campaign, specifically Pocahontas. Vet deaths have been astronomical. 22 a day, down to 15 now. So I tweeted this. 22 vets a day committed suicide for a decade. It's now 15.5 a day. Trevor Project is based on a GLAD survey of teenage LGBTQ kids who said they had suicidal thoughts, which all teenagers do, by the way, and media Democrats ran with it like it was real, a real genocide. So this guy comes in, and you can read it there. I mean, it's literally supporting a project with kids, and the NASCAR cares about their fans, and, well, they did something for vets yesterday, so why should we fucking care about vets now? Because this was, you know, Veterans Day. So this was my reply to his reply, and I stand by that. It's important. LGBT suicide is same as teenage suicide, which is surpassed by veteran suicide. But no one cares about vet suicide, for they're a demo that doesn't vote Dem, and now under Biden or company are racist terrorists. So all, all in all, my statement stands. This is about a Twitter mob. That's what this was about. They did a day to commemorate troops, and Twitter didn't like that. As you saw by the video, Twitter doesn't like that. I mean, here is a vet supposedly going off because people question Kamala Harris, which you can't do that. She's a woman. She's black. What the fuck's wrong with you, bigot? What's up, everybody? Major Retired Richard Ojeda here. And Memorial Day is a day for us to honor the fallen, the men and women that serve this country that didn't come home. They paid the ultimate sacrifice. And for far too often, our politicians will use this day to suck up to veterans, but the following day stab us in the back. Folks, I want each and every one of you all to enjoy the time that you have with your wife and your kids because warriors pay the ultimate sacrifice so that you can do that. I'm asking each and every one of you all to also start paying attention to those who disrespect those brothers and sisters that didn't get to come home. Like the 35 members of Congress that basically just ignored an assault on our Capitol. 
Today, the secretary has no patience for those on the conservative spectrum who suggest the U.S. military's best days are gone. You see this whole question of whether or not as uh, the Department of Defense tries to deal with diversity and inclusion, is the military getting too soft? Sounds like you don't buy that. Is it too soft? You know, I think our adversaries would like to capitalize on talking points like that, or, you know, the Chinese, the Russians. This is the best military in the world. Is America getting better? The answer is yes, but only when we see past wrongs and work to right them. And so here we are on the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa race massacre, the deadliest attack on black Americans on U.S. soil, when as many as 300 in the thriving Black Wall Street district were slaughtered by a white mob. That's the story. Any mitigation of that is not the truth. And at the same time that we condemn this as obscene, as a reminder of what is wrong, We see in real time today one of the greatest assaults on democracy underway once again targeting minorities. The party of Trump intensifying its efforts to strip people of color of their rights to vote. You know, that guy, uh, yeah, he was a pogue or something. Uh, He was vote dem way back. I went through his timeline and when he before he retired he was political but officers can get away with that for the dem side of your your dem side there's a huge article article going on right now and i want you to research it i'm not going to cover it today but it's a vet that denied that biden's president he's an active officer he's black so the media's not covering it but he's done but this douche the first one you heard he was doing that shit in uniform Paul Reichek was doing that in uniform. It was okay. And then Lloyd Austin, uh, our adversaries, for four years, private pile, you motherfuckers were saying Russia owned our president. He was Putin's butt buddy. We never heard that we need to watch what we're saying because our adversaries can use it against it. As we go into our next section after we honor the fallen, This lab stuff, you guys have been fucking carrying water. You yourself, sec dev, have been carrying water for China, protecting them. Because it was better that we did that than let Trump not get blamed for 500,000 deaths. And then Cuomo sums it all up. I mean, the reality is, you need... You, you need Tulsa. You got to come up with something right now because your polling shows nobody believes the January 6th bullshit because they watched a year of Antifa BLM bullshit and you said it was okay. It was a big time to bash Republicans on, on you know, this day. Fact is, every single Republican voter magically disappeared tonight. In 10 years in the U.S., would have the best education in the world, most affordable quality health care in the world, most prosperous middle class, etc. Every Dem vote makes one of theirs disappear. They, they want this. My wife was yelling on the TV last night because of all the shit that's going on. I go, it's by design. 
They're destroying their cities with crime. They're destroying their city with taxes. So people will move. They're still going to win that because only losers are going to stay there. And they're still going to vote for them because they need the money they're handing them for freebies. Got to get the freebies. And then they go down and they think they can Austin, Texas, everything. Turn it all to blue. Immigration and destroying what they have so there's mass migration turns everything blue. Remember, Shell Goldberg wrote it. They can replace you. They want to wipe out your vote. That's all this is about. Former head of Planned Parenthood dragged, and I didn't put this one up here. This made me laugh out loud and scientifically affluent. How to celebrate Memorial Day. Be vaxxed. Okay. New York Times Memorial Day editorial, social gatherings unpatriotic unless it's a protest, which we 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 got that. that that's that's that that, that, that. <laughs> I'm just going to stutter for a while cuz these fucking people they 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 fucking just they just they never cease to they just never cease to amaze me. The only article I could find about suicides, because we didn't, you know, we don't do that on Memorial Day unless you're the family of. Frequent military funeral duty may increase soldiers' risk of suicide. There's a study that's showing it is. Which, good. Good on them. Good on them for just doing any kind of studies about our real epidemic. Genocide. Not the made-up one. But before I play some more of what really Memorial Day was about for the media, which is bashing conservatives, I'm going to do it in two chunks today. A 2020 Pew Research study revealed that over half of white liberal women have been diagnosed with a mental health condition at some point. Does that mean there's a correlation between progressive ideas and mental health? Conservatives label younger liberal generations as snowflakes or have Trump derangement syndrome if they don't like the past president. Liberals and progressives label right-leaning individuals or conservatives as racist, bigots, misogynists. Resorting this type of low-brow behavior might once have been seen as an excuse not to address the actual issues or beliefs at hand, but now ad hominem attacks are more common than not. But what if that was a once a cheap shot at personal insults and actually been found to bear scientific correlation between the individuals of whole progressive ideologies and the increased risk of mental illness. That's exactly what pre-pre research found. A shocking diagnosis of over 50% of liberal women with some sort of mental illness. Panel wave 64 was the study. And that is not actually worth a fuck. That tweet he did was not good, so let's get back to it. Um, let's go to the second one, the rap. Two interesting findings thus far from my analysis of Pew's March COVID survey. First, white and especially very liberal are far more likely than all other ideological race subgroups to report being diagnosed with a mental health condition. And let's let's get the stats up. Okay, sorry about that. I, I'm kind of backed up on, I didn't do a lot of slides this time, so I'm going to do it when we come to it. So if you look at this number, it's pretty obvious. I mean, white, non-white, there, there's a problem. The next 
panel of things. Somewhat surprising this difference further grows when we add standard controls. We next turn to mean response to this battery, which asks about the frequency at which respondents experienced specific mental health issues over the previous seven days. Nervous or anxious, blah, 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 blah. The differences are most, uh, let me expand this so you can see it. Modest here, but still significant. They are also robust to several potential confounds, job loss, pay cuts, marital status. However, entering the mental health diagnosis variable into the model does perhaps naturally narrow the difference. In other words, at least some of the difference in the COVID mental health battery between white liberals and others are accounted for by the former's higher likelihood of being diagnosed with a mental health issue. It's possible that disparities in self-reported diagnosis simply are partly a function of white liberals being more likely to seek mental health evaluations. I don't have any data on that. And not to mention score lower on life satisfaction. I think at least some of this difference is genuine. I didn't write this thread to mock white liberals or their apparent disproportionate rates of mental illness, and you shouldn't either. Rather, this is a question that's underexplored and which may shed light on attitudinal difference towards various social policies. Are you even remotely surprised? Should you be? I mean, let let's let's look at the reality. They spend their entire time hating where they live and hating the people around them. That's what they do. They hate this country. And they're constantly being fed on their media, which is not fake news somehow. We got that today. That their opposition is evil. They are going for white fright. And the momentum is in the direction they're headed, not in any other direction, Tom. Yeah, there's no question, Chris. You know, I was thinking in preparing for our conversation that um, the midterm elections... Uh, this year, 2022, I mean, next year, 2022, they are going to be hugely important uh, for, for this reason. Um, the Republicans go into these midterms with so many advantages after the last census through gerrymandering. They're automatically going to get a few more seats. And historically, midterms tend to work against the incumbent you know, party. Uh, so they've got a lot of advantages. What we're going to see in these midterms uh, as this party that has now made it a prerequisite to be a leader in this party and to be a candidate endorsed by the leader of this party, that you have to embrace a big lie. We're going to see if they actually uh, suffer in the midterms for that. If they do come out of these midterms uh, not holding the House, not winning the House back, not winning the Senate back, I think that would be one of the most healthy things that can possibly happen to our country now, because that then, Chris, will force that party to confront their Trump problem. The entirety of the, the thing that animates now the Republican Party, which is to say the thing that George Will's talking about, what, the, what is the Republican Party? It's, it's now its basest part of its base. And the basest part of its base is, is animated by hate. 40% believe that Bill Gates is trying to control them uh, by implanting microchips in their brain. 
I think something like a third of Republicans still believe that Barack Obama was born in Kenya, not the United States. Um, and the question you have to ask is why, why this angle, why this kind of apocalyptic view that the, that the world is collapsing, going away, American civilization is on the brink. And part of what I try to uh, describe in this in this documentary is the origins, the roots of this, because it goes back very deep. Republican leaders have been playing games with their followers. Republican senators absolutely do not care about House staffers more than they care about Capitol Police officers. And the deaths of Capitol Police officers are not worth investigating. As far as most Republican senators are concerned, the injuries to over 140 Capitol Police officers are not worth investigating. The most ringing rebuke of a United States senator in the entire 20th century was delivered by Attorney Joseph Welch in 1954 in the form of a question to the vicious, lying Republican Senator Joseph McCarthy. Have you no sense of decency? That question stopped Joseph McCarthy. Joseph McCarthy died three years later, and the disgrace of what was then called McCarthyism seemed to die with him, but McCarthyism is back in the form of Kevin McCarthyism, which is not just a devotion to the Trump lies about the election, but a devotion to lying itself. Before we go, we got Mr. Tapper up here earlier in the day. Uh, I just want to hold this up. It's a, it's a novel. It's, it's, it's a historical novel, but it's a book that starts, number one, you can't go wrong. The first sentence of the book has Frank Sinatra and a bottle of Jack Daniels. You cannot go wrong. <laughs> if a book starts that way, in my opinion, uh, you cannot go wrong. But it's about dysfunctional relationships. It's about loyalty. It's about real people. You're making a fictional account here, but it's about dysfunctional relationships, Sinatra and the mob, Sinatra and Kennedy, that come to collisions where choices have to be made. That's kind of happening here. It's very resonant, I think, uh, <laughs> if I may say so. Uh, the, the title of the book is The Devil May Dance, and it's a fictitious Sinatra song about what happens to you when you dance with the devil. Now, if you're the Kennedys dancing with the Rat Pack or you're Sinatra dancing with the mob, that's in the book. But I also think that we're seeing examples of what happens when you dance with the devil, play out on Capitol Hill today. Do you really think, removing Donald Trump from it, that Senate Republicans would vote against an investigation into the, into the attack on the Capitol? No, of course not. Of course they want to get to the bottom of it deep down. But they danced with the devil. Donald Trump, in this case, in this metaphor, is, a, is the devil, and the devil doesn't want him to. They made their deal with him, and now they're beholden to him. And that's kind of what the novel is about, except remove all the ugly, messy, contemporary politics from it. If, if you can. If you, that's your challenge, reader. That is your challenge. Remove the ugly, messy, contemporary politics from it. But I worry that any, we cannot get anything done if we don't uh, uh, protect democracy and pass H.R. 1. Um, okay, so that's, a, that's it, the new Voting it, Rights Act. Yes, uh, which is composed of entirely up until, you know, four years ago, uh, uh, bipartisan uh, ideas about protecting democracy. I think Biden should have a cabinet position uh, uh, protecting uh, uh, democracy, because if we lose this, we're in big trouble. Uh, are you at all, uh, by the way, I agree with you. I, when I was uh, lucky enough to interview uh, President Biden in December, I said, doesn't that need to be the very first thing? Because otherwise, nothing else that's accomplished is meaningful at all. Yeah, without that, you know, I'll, I'll see you in the internment camp. I'll, I'll
the internment camp. So of course these people hate vets. Of course these people don't understand the the sacrifice that Scott Carl made that led him to an early heart attack. Of course these people can't appreciate the sacrifice that Troy Jenkins gave to this country. They hate this country. This country is everything that's wrong in their minds. They find it disgusting. They spend their whole time saying it's horrible. And then over time, they believe it's horrible. And then when people tell them it's not horrible, or they talk about how their party or their affiliation is no different than the other, you are evil. We didn't spend Memorial Day honoring those who defended the right for these people to hate it. We did politics as usual. So on this show, I can't read all the loss of life that we've had. On the war on terror. I just I just can't. There's 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 too many. There's just too many people lost. Just on one list, uh I can I could read two thousand six hundred and twenty four that are listed. But the numbers are insane. They have their own section in Arlington National Cemetery. We've lost 4,418 service members in Operation Iraqi Freedom. 110 female, 4,307 male, non-specified one. I don't know what that means. E134, 2,539. E5 and 9, 1450. Officers lost, 429. Ages, 1,283 were under 22. 1,075 were 22 to 24. 1,125 were 25 to 30. 31 to 35-year-olds account for 428. Over 35, 506. Active duty, 3,504. Reserve, 415. National Guard, 499. American Asian, or American Alaskan Native. American Indian Alaskan Native. I'm sorry. I, I need to get new glasses. 43. Asian, 77. Black, 441. Hawaiian, 17. White, 3,645. Multiple races, 62. Unknown, 133. Pretty interesting how you don't hear that stat, do you? The bulk of our losses were in the Army. 3,237. 107 in the Navy. 1,023 in the Marine. And 51 in the Air Force. An Operation Enduring Freedom, or Afghanistan, the war I fought in, 
<clears throat> Let me bring this down to where it is. 2,218 deaths. 1,833 were hostile. 385 were non-hostile. There's not the breakdown by race, gender, creed. 17,219 dead over all of it. 17,219. You don't hear that. Under George Bush, you heard it. Under Barack Obama, not so much. And then we just gave it up. That's 4432 in Iraqi freedom. 74 in New Dawn. 2,352 in OIF or OEF, sorry. Inherent Resolve, 88. Operation Freedom Sentinel, 82. But you, you don't hear that. Why would we? A hundred and sixty six soldiers have died in Operation Iraqi Freedom just from the hundred and first Airborne Division. As we have numerous time on the show, we're going to read those one hundred and sixty six names, whether liberals like it or not. Sergeant Michael D. Acklin. 25, Louisville, Kentucky, November 2003. Sergeant Evan Asa Ashcroft, 24, July 2003. First Lieutenant Garrison Avery, 23, 2006. Specialist David Babineau, 2006. Ryan Travis Baker, 2003. Staff Sergeant Metodio A. Bandali, April 2006. Aram J. Bass, 25, November 2005. Captain Nathaniel S. Bauman, 23, July 2006. Staff Sergeant Joseph P. Belavia, October 2003. Sergeant First Class William M. Bennett, 35, September 2003. PFC Bayer, June 23, 2006. Mario J. Biavra, Staff Sergeant, 34, 2006. Sergeant First Class Jason L. Bishop, 31, January 2006. Captain Jonathan F. Blair, 21, November 2005. CW2 Michael T. Base, 29, January 2004. First Lieutenant Benjamin T. Britt, 24, December 2005. PFC John E. Brown, 21, April 2003. Ryan J. Buckley, June 2006. Staff Sergeant Richard A. Burbick, 24, December 2003. Special Marlon Bustamante, 
January, or excuse me, February 2006. Specialist William J. Byler, 23, October 2005. Sergeant Kenneth Casita, 32, December 2005. Sergeant Brett T. Christian, 27, July 2003. Sergeant Carlton A. Clark, 22, August 2006. Sergeant David S. Collins, 24, April 2006. Corey Dan, 22, March 2006. Jeremiah Dio Giovanni, 21, November 2003. Sergeant First Class Sean Dosti, 32, December 2005. PFC Duenas, 23, March 2006. Staff Sergeant Durbin, 26, January 2006. Specialist Dusenbury, 30, November 2003. Staff Sergeant Eastep, 26, November 2005. Corporal Adam J. Fargo, 22, July 22, 2006. Staff Sergeant Jason Fregler, 24, November 2005. Sergeant Dennis Flanagan, 22, January 2006. Sergeant Floyd, 28, December 2005. Thomas Foley, 23, April 2003. Specialist Franz, 23, January 2006. Captain Garcia, 48, 2006. James W. Gardner, 22, 2006. Sergeant Justice Justin Garvey, 23, 2003. PFC Gawkey, 19, November 2005. Carlos Gonzalez, 22, 2006. Staff Sergeant Gorley, 38. PFC Travis J. Grigg, 24, November 2005. Sergeant Greeley, 24, 2003. Richard Harbor, PFC, 21, 2003. Staff Sergeant Hassel, 32, May 2006. Sergeant Hancock, 29, 2003. Sergeant Warren, 36, 2003. Staff Sergeant Harper, 29, 2005. PFC Hawk Eagle, 21, 2003. Master Sergeant Hayes, 48, 2005. PFC Heidelberg, 21, 2003. PFC Heiger, 22, 2003. Sergeant Herrera, 26, 2006. Specialist Hinton, 24, 2005. Specialist Holly, 21, 2005. Staff Sergeant Hoyleman, 26, 2004. Sergeant Hunter, 31, 2006. First Lieutenant Hurley, 24, 2006. Specialist Hutchinson, 20, 2006. Specialist Idana, 21, 2005. Sergeant Jaconic, 25, 2005. Sergeant Troy David Jenkins, 
25, 2003, Rockasan. Private Johnson, 22, 2005. Private Johnson, 19, 2005. Specialist Johnson, 21, 2003. Specialist Ty Johnson, 28, 2006. Sergeant Jones, 21, 2006. Sergeant Jordan, 24, 2003. Staff Sergeant Karlaska, 25, 2005. Corporal Kempel, 23, 2006. CW3 Kennedy, 43, 2003. Staff Sergeant Kennan, 23, 2003. Chief Warrant Officer Casterton, 29, 2003. Staff Sergeant Kimmel, 30, 2005. Specialist Knopp, 22, 2005. Sergeant Kubik, 20, 2006. Sergeant First Class Lamberson, 36, 2006. Specialist Leftuka, 20, 2003. Specialist Felaciano, 33, 2005. Private McKenzie, 20, 2005. Staff Sergeant Martis, 25, 2004. PFC Marion, 2006. PFC Martin, 2005. Staff Sergeant Mason, 2005. Private McKinley, 2003. Sergeant First Class McQuain, 2006. Sergeant Muison, 2005. PFC Machada, Kristen, 2006. Specialist Mercado, 2003. Specialist Mercedes Saz, 2006. PFC Messer, 2006. Master Sergeant Moorhead, 2003. PFC Moore, 2006. Specialist Mooger, 2005. Staff Sergeant Neff, 2003. Staff Sergeant Nelson, 2005. Specialist Nutt, 2003. Specialist Oberleiter, 2003. Lieutenant Colonel Orlando, 2003. Specialist Owens, 2006. PFC Parker, 2003. Staff Sergeant Perez, 2003. Specialist Peterson, 2003. PFC Petty, 2003. Private Fender, 2005. Corporal Piche, 2003. Amanda Pinson, Sergeant, 2006. Private Powers, 2006. Specialist Rovago, 2003. Sergeant Reed, 2004. Sergeant Rico, 2003. Sergeant First Class Rogers, 2006. Specialist Roman Cruz, 2005. Sergeant Rose, 2003. Specialist Brandon Rowe, 2003. Captain Russell, 2006. Sergeant Russell, 2006. CW2 Sabo, 2003. Specialist Sampson, 2006. 
Staff Sergeant Sanford, 2003. Corporal Schaff, 2006. Staff Sergeant Ricky Scott, 2006. Staff Sergeant Seal, 2006. Captain Seifert, 2003. Corporal Jimmy L. Shelton, 2005. PFC Shepard, 2006. PFC Seeker, 2005. Staff Sergeant Silva, 2006. Sergeant Simmons, 2003. Captain Smith, 2003. Specialist Smith, 2005. Specialist Steruto, 2003. Specialist Sullivan, 2003. Major Severson, 2004. Staff Sergeant Taha, 2005. Captain Travosky, 2004. Specialist Tiawa, 2005. Sergeant First Class Tassar, 2005. Specialist Patrick A. Tinnell, 2006. PFC Tucker, 2006. Sergeant Turner, 2006. Specialist Ull, 2003. Specialist Upchurk, 2006. Staff Sergeant Vanderhorn, 2006. PFC Villazone, 2006. Specialist Watts, 2006. Sergeant First Class Walden, 2006. CW5 Weeks, 2006. Joey R. Whitmer, 2003. Vernon Widmer, 2005. Command Sergeant Major Wilson, 2003. First Lieutenant Wolf, 2003. Major Worrell, 2006. PFC Wright, 2003. Corporal Yates, 2006. Specialist Yazi, 2006. Corporal Zamora, 2006. Corporal Jose Zamora, 2006. They were brothers. PFC Zawanda, 2006. Corporal Zayas, 2006. Benjamin Zeski, 2006. First Lieutenant Zelinsky, 2005. Private Travis C. Zimmerman, 19. April 22nd, 2006.
17,219 men, women, black, white, gay, straight, they really don't give a fuck. They gave the ultimate sacrifice. So a party, the Democrats, and their media can shit all over them. Shame on all of you. If you're a middle-aged American, some of us are, you can probably still dimly remember back to what things used to be like in this country, say, 13 or 14 months ago. Way back then, before the revolution, pretty much everybody agreed that segregation was the worst thing this country ever did. Forcing certain categories of citizens into separate, lesser accommodations, barring them from public places, treating not about health or science, It's bigger than that. It's about good and evil. It's about discovering who is a decent person and who, by contrast, deserves to be punished for sin. It's about finding out who has obeyed. And thankfully, once again, technology is coming to the rescue. Watch. It's easy. It's got a QR code. You just send a copy of your vaccination card. Just show your papers and then you can participate in the life of your country. In New York, the state is doing this by itself. It's issuing something called the Excelsior Pass. The Excelsior Pass entitles you to all the rights and freedoms you imagined you were born with, but that turn out to be entirely contingent on whether you do exactly what Andrew Cuomo says to do immediately. Officials in New York have assured us the Excelsior Pass is totally safe. It's every bit as safe as a state-licensed nursing home, and it's utterly confidential. It's a lockbox. Your personal health information cannot be hacked by anyone. Apart, of course, from hackers, people who actually try to hack it. Last month, for example, a man called Albert Fox Kahn broke into the Excelsior Pass in just 11 minutes. But other than that, you're completely fine. So more than a million people have downloaded the Excelsior Pass so far, and that's a victory for public health. But it does make you wonder, is this the end or is it the beginning? Why should it end here? The coronavirus is transmissible and it can be dangerous, but it's hardly the only illness that fits that description. There are many. So if politicians can segregate potential COVID carriers from the rest of the American population, why can't they do the same thing to people with HIV or tuberculosis or hepatitis C? Before you laugh off the possibility of that happening, see if you can answer the core question. Why wouldn't that happen? And of course, at this point, there really isn't a reason that it wouldn't happen because the precedent has been set. And by the way, say goodbye to those HIPAA protections you thought you had. It used to be illegal to demand people's confidential medical information. Not anymore. What's illegal now is trying to hide it. The FBI is warning of, quote, severe penalties for anyone who dares to forge a vaccine card. So don't even think about it. Now, we used to spend quite a bit of time worrying about scenarios like the one we're living through right now. Back in 2003, for example, a federal judge in Washington ruled that the government cannot force an unapproved vaccine on its citizens. At the time, the Defense Department wanted to inoculate soldiers serving in Iraq against anthrax. 
Some soldiers didn't want it. DOD tried to make them take it. And then the judge, Emmett Sullivan, stepped in. He said this, quote, Absent an informed consent or presidential waiver, the United States cannot demand that members of the armed forces serve as guinea pigs for experimental drugs, end quote. He was not attacked for that. In fact, at the time, Judge Sullivan's ruling was seen as a victory for civil liberties. How would it be seen now? Well, it would be seen, in fact, it would be denounced as a win for QAnon. Because make no mistake, the only people who have not been vaccinated at this point are Trump voters and other dangerous white supremacists. Because they're the only ones evil enough to threaten this nation's public health. We've learned that repeatedly on television. Here's an example. And now, the narrative's entirely changed, and it's about Republicans, mostly men, so white male Republicans, right. who don't want to get the shot. Brian, there is no group in America more likely to say, no, I am not going to get the COVID vaccine than white Republican men. Why don't they want it? These white men who, by and large, were Trumpers. There is the kind of, you know, Republican white men who seem to take pride in it uh, about refusing this vaccine. It's also dangerous. I mean, we know that the vaccine hesitancy rates are rising amongst white Republican men. There actually is very little vaccine hesitancy at the moment between African-Americans and, and um, Latino communities. Yeah, you're not surprised. It's always the same people, isn't it? Those white Republican men, the very ones that just today Joe Biden warned us are more dangerous than ISIS. These are the people who have been beating up elderly Asian women in our cities. You've seen that plague unfold. These are the ones who don't believe in science, who have no decency. They're the problem. Just the other day, Joe Biden's grumpy little flack told us that she had found new ways to reach these recalcitrant mouth breathers. We've run PSAs on the deadliest catch. We're engaged with NASCAR and country music TV. We're looking for a range of creative ways to get directly connected to white conservative communities. <laughs> it's the white men again, but not just any white men. It's the one who likes country music and NASCAR, not the ones who go to Aspen. The white Republican men are dangerous and they can sit at the back of the bus. In fact, they can walk. They shouldn't even be allowed in public buildings. That's a story you keep hearing. You just heard it in very clear terms. No group in America is more likely to turn down the vaccine than, quote, white Republican men. We've heard that so many times that just the other day we decided to check the number because not all the numbers you hear, even from the podium at the White House, are true. So here are the real numbers as collected by the U.S. government. Well, look at that. It turns out, and we know you're shocked, they're lying again. In fact, what they're saying is the opposite of the truth. As of two weeks ago, 50% of Asian Americans had been vaccinated against COVID. That number among white Americans was about 40%. Among African Americans, it was 27%. Among Hispanics, it was 29%. So this has implications. If we're going to make the, quote, unvaccinated sit in their own unfashionable little section at MLB games, that's going to make for some pretty embarrassing photographs sometime soon, because it seems like the new segregation looks a lot like the old segregation. And we wonder how they're going to explain that. And that's a version of that that's happened during this pandemic. So the facts about COVID-19 transmission need to reach viewers, need to reach readers. I think we need more explainers, more 101, the kind of stuff you do in your newsletter. Um, you wrote about, you know, the, the faulty air um, outdoor uh, transmission studies, for example. This week, though, you wrote about the lab, week, the lab leak theory and how the conversation about this 
possible uh, uh, COVID escaping the Wuhan lab theory has been reevaluated. It's been reckoned with all of a sudden. What happened this week? Why is this back in the news? Well, so it's pretty clear that we don't know it started. It, um, many people think the most likely explanation is that it jumped from an animal to a human being at, an, at a food market in Wuhan, China. Um, that is certainly plausible. But it's also plausible that it's with some research at, at a top virology lab in Wuhan, China, um, uh, it somehow escaped from there. We don't know the answer. And what happened was a bunch of people started arguing that it likely escaped from this lab in Wuhan. And some of them were scientists whom you've never heard of necessarily and who made serious arguments. But some of them were conservative politicians like Senator Tom Cotton. Um, and after Cotton started doing it, Donald Trump went doing it. And I think people made this mistake. I think um, a lot of people on the political left and a lot of people in the media made this mistake. They said, wow, if Tom Cotton is saying something, it can't be true, or they assumed that. And that's not right. Tom Cotton does deal in misinformation about things like election fraud. He said some things that are just wrong. But that doesn't mean that everything he says is wrong. And it seems like a lot of people, including a lot of people in the media, leaped to dismiss the lab leak theory because of where it was coming from. I want to turn to COVID. We talk about COVID this week and, and travel is up again and, and the numbers of COVID cases are way down. But a lot of talk this week about the origin of COVID again. Tom Cotton especially and many people in the Trump administration said it originated in the lab in Wuhan, China, not with bats. They're taking a second look at that. Um, do some people have egg on their face? And why does this matter? Well, I mean, it's, look, it matters for the same reason we were talking about the January 6th commission. We should find out what happened. This was uh, one of the greatest crises our country has ever faced. We should know the, the world's ever faced. We need to know how it started. And yes, I think a lot of people have egg on their face. This was an idea uh, that, that was first put forward by Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, Donald Trump. And look, some things may be true even if Donald Trump said them. What was going on behind the scenes then? Was President Trump and your old boss, the vice president, were they more focused on finding a scapegoat than formulating a response? Yes, I think the problem was that they were so focused on trying to shift the blame to someone else. And so China becomes the narrative. Um, and fundamentally, I had been really concerned because they kept asking me, the vice president would ask, the vice president's chief of staff would ask me repeatedly, you know, did it come from the lab? Is it a bioweapon? What did we say? When you're a party that pushes, I mean, I, Lionheart says it, yeah, great. And Carl says it, and you see what MSNBC really says, which all these users a scapegoat. Yeah, got it. But replies to Carl, Trump made us lie. I don't get any of these people a free pass. This issue, they don't do this all after the fact. The narratives have already settled in the people's minds, and they did it so after the election. Same thing with Cuomo's. We can't excuse all the people who swooned over them. The reality is they think they can get away with this stuff. They think they can spend all their time ignoring things for political gain and then come back and say, well, we covered it. I mean, there are motherfuckers changing headlines, editing things right now. I'm not even going. There's so much. It would take a whole show going back in time and changing headlines, re-editing things. It's all stealth edited, but the damage is already done. You chose not to cover the most likely 
release of this fucking virus. You did it because of Trump said water's wet. You would have argued it. And this just doesn't go to the media. It goes to the never Trumpers. Everybody who got on their high horse and said, I am so much better and he is so bad that I'm going to vote for my guy in a basement who literally, the only thing he can say is white supremacy. And little girls look like they're fucking 19 and he wants to hump their legs like a poodle. Scott Gottlieb, former commissioner of the FDA, said Sunday the side of the ledger that suggests COVID-19 could have emerged from a lab in Wuhan has continued to grow as debate over the virus origins reignited. Evidence that COVID-19 originally linked from a Wuhan virology lab is growing, Dr. Scott Gottlieb says. You know shit! People said it forever ago. And these stats, this is exactly... Getting back to my original point, this this is what we, you spend all your time, this fucking weekend there was a NASCAR, or excuse me, an Indy racing car that was painted like Tuskegee Airmen. Most people don't know that story, but they damn sure know that uh, just like the Tulsa race massacre that most of us just found out about during pandemic because you watched that stupid HBO ship movie. You know about the tortures they did and the horrible experiments they did on African Americans. That is imprinted in the DNA of African Americans so they don't trust the government. Then you have a vice president and a president who said there's no way you can get, in the media, you can't get a, a vaccine out this quick. And if Donald Trump did it, I'm not putting it in my body. That's what you people said. You said it at nauseum. It was just so fucking repetitive. So, of course, when you break down the numbers, there are less African-Americans that are vaccinated whites. But we're not going to say that as a news agency. Why would we say that? We have mental health illness. We hate ourselves. We hate America. So we're going to continue the tired line that it's Trumpers. I mean, Tucker's right. You, but you won't see the photos. They'll never publish, publish them. It's obvious by everything. People who have received at least one dose, 62% of whites, black is 9%. These colors are horrible. People who, uh, who initiated vaccine in the last 14 days, 50% of white people. Total U.S. population, 61% of white people have been vaccinated. But they're still going to say Trumpers. They're still going to say it over and over because that's that's what we do. We lie. We continue with the agenda. And the agenda is anybody who says the lab or says that black people aren't getting vaccinated. Well, you're just a racist. And our science experts, they're so sciencey and they're so experty. What's in a name? WHO revising naming system for COVID variants to avoid stigmatizing nations. Today, WHO has announced a new naming system for key COVID-19 variants. The labels will be Greek alphabet. 
The labels do not replace existing scientific names, which convey important scientific information and will continue to be used in research. The naming system aims to prevent calling COVID-19 variants by a place because of stigmatization and, and uh, discrimination. Updating the simplified table for the key properties of the major variants with their new WHO Greek letter name, McCain-Covey, here is one common feature for all vaccines to work. They still don't want to play this. What color was he? We're not going to say it because it's racist to say it. We're just, we, nothing about COVID hasn't been a lie. But, uh, you know, profiting from the pandemic with a book deal. Unexpect the unexpected. So, Fauci, a guy who I, I give less, I crap on him less than anybody else. I mean, he is the most highest payest federal employee there is. And he's flip-flopped a lot. And since we know that he is the reason why you thought you could get HIV off a fucking sink... Because he's always been super scared of everything. And hey, then maybe that's a good thing for a guy who works in infectious diseases. But we have now learned he gave the money for them to infect us. And that took weeks for him to admit it. He told you not to wear a mask because it was the noble lie. Then he told you to wear the mask. Two masks. Three masks. Then came out and politicized the fuck out of Trump. So it's clearly obvious he spent all his time undermining the previous president who he didn't align with ideologically, which tells me that you're not really a scientist. Another article. If a Vax passport system were implemented today, blacks and Hispanics would be the person most likely to be denied service. Listen, 30% vaccinated in each group. Doesn't seem terribly equitable people tend to have a very specific kind of person in their mind when they talk about pushing vaccine hesitant and as usual they let their political biases lead them to a deeply misguided world around them i want vaccine passports because i want to filter out those dumbass low-income dropout redneck trump supporting morons is somehow good but actually vaccine passports would filter out minorities I have a pretty deep disdain for people who discover this and are like, oh no, I didn't mean for my policies to harm poor black people. I only wanted to harm poor white people. Do I have this? It's not there. 
I don't think I have this. No. No, I don't. But I'm about to. Helen Branswell is a senior infectious disease writer from STAT, a media outlet focused specifically on health, medicine, and life sciences. She, So she, of all people, should know that those who have been fully vaccinated against COVID don't really have any reason to continue to mask up. And yet, there were unmasked shoppers in my local grocery store today. The cordons for lineups, the desk where a staffer kept tabs on how many people were in the store, gone. I know this probably isn't rational, but I'm not ready for this. Party of science. Party of science. That's that's what they are. The only article I could find that resembled anything close to this or Asian hate crime, because yeah, I got it. Those you can find that video of that lady getting knocked the fuck out online. They're not leading the show because it's still white people. Is voice Voice of America news? Anti Asian hate crimes crosses racial and ethnic lines, and they re-edited this and took out a lot of the language they had before because now it changes. Then you have the the guy who's the fact checker from WAPO. And, and once again, I could do a whole show just showing you all these mediaites going back and changing their headlines. And uh, this has been corrected because they just automatically, Trump said it, no lab link, conspiracy, QAnon, you know, all that shit. So the Federalist. Earlier version of the story in his headline accurately characterized comments by Senator Tom Cotton regarding the origins of the coronavirus. The term debunked and the post-use of conspiracy theory have been removed because then as now, there was no determination about the origins of the virus. To his take, somehow the Federalist managed to write stories saying the Washington Post quietly changed the headline on a 2020 Wuhan lab story with ever mentioning we have a big correction at the top of the article noting the change in headline and body of the story. Update. The story now notes the correction. Why is the Washington Post changing headlines, Glenn? Will the headline be updated again if the lab leak theory is further substantiated? Are these living articles that evolves or more facts come out? So there's your fact checker who spent his whole life finding ways to say Trump's a liar. Fact checking another media outlet that fact checked them. Because they're changing headlines. There's still pictures of kids playing fucking instruments outside with holes cut in their mask. Yet we know the CDC says you can't get it outside. You don't need a fucking mask. Wuhan lab funder Zach Dzak emailed Falke thanking him for dismissing lab link story. It has been known for a long time that Dr. Falke has supported the gain-of-function research conducted by the EcoHealth Alliance about bat coronaviruses, while Falke has been attempting to distance himself from having any knowledge of EcoHealth Alliance project, including those of Dr. Dizak. The president of the organization newly released emails details the praise Dasak heaped upon Falke. 
Dizak, who seems to have his thumb in all the pies surrounding origins of SARS-CoV-2, more on that later, sent an email to Falke on April 18, 2020, just six, we- six weeks after initial outbreak. As the PI and ROI grants publicly charted by Fox News reported on its presidential press briefing last night, I just wanted to say a personal thank you on behalf of our staff and collaborators for publicly standing up and stating that the scientific evidence supports a natural origin for COVID-19 from a bat-to-human spillover, not a lab release. From my perspective, your comments are brave and coming from your trusted voice will help dispel the myths being spun around the virus origins. Once this pandemic over, I look forward to thanking you in person for lying. I mean, if you're still on the bubble that our media is remotely straight up on anything, here's more evidence. You're living in the bubble. Get out of the bubble. March when President Biden first announced that Vice President Harris was going to be taking on this assignment, dealing with stemming migration to the southern border from these northern triangle countries, there was a lot of confusion surrounding what her role would actually be. Was it going to be a border assignment where she was actually responsible for stemming the tide of migrants to the border and surging resources there and making sure that um, this was a more manageable situation? Or was she going to be focused more on the root causes of migration that were actually driving people to the border? in the first instance. Well, Republicans kind of seized on that confusion and they made it seem as though Vice President Harris was going to be the new border czar, that she was going to be responsible and be the envoy to the border and be responsible essentially for all of the problems um, that arise there. And so when her team kind of saw this being mischaracterized by some media outlets and by Republicans and questions swirling about whether she herself was going to visit the border in her new capacity, they kind of uh, were dismayed by this because her role uh, was always going to be focusing on these northern triangle countries and the root causes of this. And they saw her being linked to the border as a potentially politically perilous, uh, you know, assignment and task because Obviously, it's a very fraught situation, and it's something that has vexed many, many previous administrations trying to figure out how to both come up with a humanitarian, with Trump administration accepted, come up with a humanitarian approach to immigration while also trying to uh, say that the border is closed and that people need to come in the proper way. So very politically fraught situation for, for the vice president. And this is why now they are emphasizing and they have emphasized that she is going to be focused more on diplomatic efforts, on dealing with the leaders of those countries and trying to really get at the causes of why people are leaving these countries to begin with. You know it's politically fraught just from how the Biden administration has responded to this crisis. For a long time, they didn't want to call it a crisis, right? So you know that this is just one of those very tough situations. And so maybe politically, it's not one you want to be tied to. That said, I mean, she does have this portfolio, right, dealing at least with the root causes of the problems. How is her work on that progressing? 
Yeah, and what we're told is that she is extremely involved in crafting the administration's regional strategy for dealing with the root causes of migration. She- That's a five-year-old kid just dumped at the border. And then you hear a journalist. What the fuck word salad was that? I just had to pause for a second because it's a collage. What the fucking fuck? Biden said she was in charge. But she's black and she's a woman, so we got to protect her for 2024. We continue now. A verdict tonight in a case making national headlines. A jury today finding Christian Bahena Rivera guilty of murder for the death of 20-year-old Molly Tibbetts in Brooklyn, Iowa. She disappeared while jogging near her home in 2018, Rivera killing her and leaving her in a cornfield. The jury deliberating seven hours before reaching its verdict. Tonight, a guilty verdict in a murder case that became part of a bitter American political debate. The victim, a young Iowa woman who had been out jogging. The man now convicted, an undocumented farm worker. CBS's Adriana Diaz has closely followed this case. Christian Bahina Rivera guilty of the crime of murder in the first degree. The verdict came on the first full day of deliberations in a case that rocked the heartland. He knew where the body was, and uh, that was a big piece of the corroboration to his story. The disappearance of 20-year-old Molly Tibbetts, who was last seen on a jog in July of 2018, consumed the town of Brooklyn, Iowa. Surveillance video of Tibbetts and this black Malibu led investigators to Rivera. The arrest of Rivera, an undocumented dairy worker, became a lightning rod over illegal immigration. Rivera told investigators in 2018 that he followed Tibbetts, who he found attractive. And when she threatened to call police, he became angry and blacked out. Out, later finding her body in his trunk. He led police to her body in this cornfield. Your talent is God's gift to you. Molly Tibbetts captured the collective soul of America. People see in Molly their own daughters, their own girlfriend, their own sister. Prosecutors said Tibbetts' family is relieved. Now, first-degree murder carries a life sentence in Iowa. Bahana Rivera, who on the stand said two masked men killed Tibbetts and put her body in his car, plans to appeal. It's not good for this country to be talking about politics 24 hours. Say, that's not who we are. We're fighting about politics. Well, are even talking about politics, obsessing about politics. People looking at MSNBC or Fox 24 hours a day or CNN 24 hours a day. I think, Joe, I think you're right in this sense, right? That we cannot underestimate the importance of competence and, in some ways, the displacement of spectacle. Uh, under the Trump administration, every single day, as you rightly describe, uh, we were dealing with the circus and P.T. Barnum. Uh, and our politics felt that way, right? And there's this sense in which the, the scenes of the country were coming, were coming undone. And, and, and there was this intensity. And then you combine that with the reality of of COVID-19, its devastation. So, and, and of course, incompetence was on display every single day. Your cold, hard assessment of, uh, of this budget plan. <laughs> uh, my warm, mushy assessment uh, <laughs> is, that, uh, is, is that it's probably necessary. I'm, I've never been a progressive or any even close to that, but it is just simply a fact that over the last 30 years, folks with a high school education and an associate's degree have not been reaping the benefits of our economy. Illegal immigrant murders. NBC ignores it completely. You heard the CBS where they're, oh, he's going to appeal. He's got a raw deal here. We're just some mass men because he's the right demographic. Then you literally have, what? 
What the fucking fuck? Competence is on display? We're, we're competent again? Really? We continue. As many as three in four Americans overestimate their ability to discern whether a headline is real or false on social media or across the Internet, broadly. That's according to a new study from the University of Utah and Washington University in St. Louis. Let's bring in CNN senior media reporter Oliver Darcy for more. Um, people are really bad and they just don't know how bad they are. Is that what we're, we're learning from this? That is, Victor. It's actually a really revealing study um, that's come out. Uh, People are just overconfident in their ability to detect uh, false news. And so uh, researchers asked uh, participants, uh, you know, how well do you think you can uh, identify false news? And 90 percent of participants, they said that they are above average in identifying false news. But when researchers compared that number to the actual data from the study after they take the survey uh, about, you know, their, their knowledge on current events and compare it to the actual data, uh, people place themselves on average about 22 percentiles higher than they scored on this test. And and so, Victor, this really just highlights this news literacy problem that we have in this country where people are consuming misinformation, conspiracy theories, things that are just not true, and they don't know it. In fact, they think they are better than other people identifying uh, that kind of false information. It's something we really don't talk enough about. Uh, we kind of laugh off, you know, I think some of these conspiracy theories because they're so delusional and and obviously not true. But for the people who are watching a channel like OAN or even Fox, uh, they they very much believe it. Really? Asian hate crimes, white supremacy, only white Republicans from the South who have guns and believe in God and voted for Trump aren't getting vaccinated. Do you really want to stick with that they believe stuff? Are are you sure? You know, it's crazy to think that people could use the idea of the law of unintended consequences um, when, with transparency. And, oh, we don't want that to happen because, God forbid, people actually discover the truth. That was never the intention. And, and when the GOP is actually out there, frankly, many of them still contesting the election. I mean, look at the sham audit in Arizona and also changing voting laws in so many respects to um, minimize people's ability to be a part of our democracy, to favor themselves. I mean, Tell me, just contextually, Douglas, how much danger is our democracy in really? I mean, could there be worse yet to come? There could be worse yet to come. But as we mentioned, you do have a House Select Committee. You might have a presidential commission. And then there are other options. I mean, there. what if there is a new conservative party? I mean, how much do we have to listen to Mitt Romney and Murkowski and Collins complain What if there's a new third party movement? You know, in 1912, Theodore Roosevelt broke the Republican Party in two um, and created the Bull Moose Party. There might be a need now for a new conservative party that would assure the end of Trumpism and this sort of nativist, xenophobic, anti-democratic spirit that seems to be encompassing, unfortunately, over 100 million Americans. They hate you. If you don't think like them, if you don't vote like them, they hate you. This is the D.C. Bureau Chief for The Intercept. A system that allows 54-35 vote margin to be called a stinging defeat for the side that got the 54. It's just not sustainable. This is over one way or another. It either slides into authoritarian minority rule or the filibuster goes away and allows an actual democracy 
to function. Authoritarian rule. Republicans are in charge of nothing. Sam Stein, some recent bills that were defeated by filibuster along with the number of votes that got in the Senate. January 6th commission, 54 votes. Dream Act, 55. Mansion Toobie, 54. Disclose Act. Paychecks Fairness Act. Actually embarrassed how desperate journalists are to pressure Democrats and get rid of the filibuster. There's no other explanation for the weekly interrogation of Mansion. The rest of the world said 323 times to six. 323 times to six. The filibusters, the Democrats, they're Jim Crow, not Republicans. They're they're confusing the fact that they just don't bring it up to vote because they know they're going to filibuster it. Now, I'm sure it's more... Even maybe 100 to 323. I mean, I don't know. But it's Democrats. That's why they really don't want to do it. They know they might not hold power forever. And if they don't hold power forever, fuck me. We need to get a goddamn way to stop Republicans from ruining democracy. Now they're ruining it by not going along with our partisan shit. But look at Brooks. He's an independent, supposedly. Pass it. Here's an actual voter, Heath Mayo. We don't have $6 trillion. Where are we going to get that kind of money? Same place we always do. China, Federal Reserve. There are real costs. The tab eventually comes up. You voted for Biden. You, you knew this was going to happen. You knew it was going to happen. This is what you were going to do. They're doing fact checks over every statement saying he's not lying. New York Times opinion editor denies they're progressive. They're not even partisan. Uh, Your audience is probably, uh, let me make a sweeping generalization, more on the progressive or left or center left of the spectrum when it comes to reading New York Times editorials. And historically, the New York Times has been a voice uh, somewhat of the left or center left or progressivism. And even in the argument, I notice uh, so many of the things tend to be arguments like, are Republicans driving a democracy into a ditch type arguments, which seem to come from a particular perspective. Does that make sense? Is that something you would just say, yes, we do have a general world viewpoint and we're proud of it? Or is it something that you feel should be uh, righted or changed? Interesting. One of my earliest memories is having a show and tell in preschool about going to the voting booth and uh, pulling the lever for Ronald Reagan. Uh, I I think I share that story because I think that it creates a perception uh, that some people uh, will feel confirms many of the things that they think about me. And then, you know, um, just as the fact that I won a Pulitzer Prize for a series that called for a $15 minimum wage and better treatment for immigrant workers, I I say that story because it's really irrelevant what my personal worldview is. Oh, really? How about this? New York Times photo collage of children killed in Gaza conflict included 17-year-old members of Hamas. How about uh, Palestinian propaganda on the front page? The same thing. Their front page, dead children for Hamas. 
But, I mean, Snopes did a whole thing on uh, claim that the 510-foot-long Philly cheesesteak sandwich set a new world record is mostly true. Yeah. Fact checkers are awesome. Radicalizing America left builds online truth brigade army to spread liberal propaganda. The invisible project is now a new thing that we're just all going to have to deal with. If it isn't enough that Facebook and Twitter censor every conservative thought, we're now going to have some entity that's going to be treated as a truth organization because they speak truth for the left. Let's do some racist. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. You won't even see me. You won't even want to know me. You won't even wonder, am I the famous China needs more babies. Yes, that may seem like a strange thing to say since it's the world's most populous country with 1.4 billion people. But China is getting older faster and Beijing expects deaths will outnumber births as early as next year. You talked about the importance of defining racism, but, I, but I, unless I missed it, which is possible, I didn't, I didn't hear your personal definition. Is there, is there one that you would offer us? Like, how do you define racism? Sure. So racism, I would define it um, as a collection uh, of racist policies that lead to racial inequity that are substantiated by racist ideas. <laughs> sure. A, a collection uh, of racist policies that lead to racial inequity that are substantiated by racist ideas. And anti-racism is pretty simple using the same terms. Anti-racism is a collection of anti-racist policies leading to racial, anybody want to take a guess? Equity that are substantiated by anti-racist ideas. There is no Memorial Day without black people. Figuratively and quite literally, black people, both enslaved and freedmen, have fought and died in every war the U.S. has ever taken part in. History is packed with contributions of black soldiers like Christmas Attucks, who, after his death in Boston, in the Boston Massacre, is considered to be the first American to die for the cause of the revolution in 1770. Or Robert Smalls, the Civil War hero who com commandeered a Confederate ship. What the fucking fuck was all that? So we got China just omitting that, yeah, they killed babies. They, like, killed babies that were born and aborted billions of babies. That's a liberal city before then, sorry. That's Candy X, basically, with the worst, I mean, vague. Everything's vague. We must be vague. Vague is what we do because by being vague, we can just term everything whatever the fuck we want. I mean, if you had a flat fucking definition, well, you know, it just wouldn't work. And then, of course, you got that racist over the New York Times. So that was our little bumper for it. Disgusting Blue Lives Murder merchandise for sale on Amazon. A group demanded that Amazon pull it. But they don't care. 
has come to my attention. Your website is selling T-shirts and other items and Boston with the words Blue Lives Murder. Part of the letter sent by DEA to Amazon to obtain by the New York Post reads, it's disheartening that your company would allow this disgusting motto on your sales platform. Continue the hawk products and blossom with this vile phrase. Puts the lives of police officers and law enforcement risk. Amazon is perpetrating anti-police rhetoric, and of course they are. There are 204 examples of merchandise sold on Amazon that promote violence towards President Donald Trump. Republicans, police officers, violent products include a flag with a graphic image of Trump blowing his brains out, a mug with a slogan, where is Lee Harvey, Harvey Oswald now and we need him, and a black t-shirt with a red slogan, kill all Republicans. Yeah, good stuff. But there, there's no bias. Listen to that New York Times person last time. Come on. They can't help it. They just don't know any better. And now we get into the embarrassing things for the media once again. I'm going to blow this up, kind of flip it to the side. Denver Nuggets basketball team was staying in the Nines Hotel in downtown Portland on Friday night when a leftist activist surrounded the building in pursuit of a man they believed to be conservative author, Andy NGO. He ran for blocks till someone in the pursuing group tackled him at Southeast 4th Avenue and Morrison Street and punched him several times after his head hit the brick sidewalks. Anna brutally assaulted an Asian man they believed to be Andy NGO. I expect a full-throated condemnation from the NBA any minute now, and you'll just keep waiting because they're not going to do it. But there are people noticing, look at this bullshit. Read this deeply reported, very upsetting post-Scott Wilson report about how deep policing in Portland has harmed minority communities. Replies, I'm sorry, but I was assured these things were all an invest invention of the far right. It's conspiracy theory. QAnon. Why we believe anarchist violence in Portland now that serious voices are talking about it. Now they care, not because of violence, but because it makes them look bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Out of order, but it goes with what you've been talking today. Just lies. There are black people in this. 117 staffers sue over Houston Hospital vaccine mandate, so they don't want to be guinea pigs. Of course, the photo from the Washington Post it's a white person, because would you expect anything else? Then we got Harvard-affiliated physicians want to deliver preferential care based on race. The physician plan would single out black and Latinx, which I don't know what that is. I think it's Latinos that play with Lincoln Logs or something. Who knows? Or maybe they're a rap group, Latinx. Fight for racial justice and medication. Critical race theory influence the physician support for medical restitution and federal reparations. I got a point to make in a second because it just keeps on going. High school program. Let's bring this one down. This is good stuff. Really good stuff. This is, you know, once again, as they scream about Jim Crow, they're enforcing or implementing Jim Crow. High school program sponsored by several New York colleges does not allow white students to apply. A summer accounting program to high school students does not allow white students to apply. The program is sponsored by nine leading universities in New York State, including five public universities. After campus reform contacted SUNY Oswego, administrators began reconsidering their involvement in the program. Black or African American, not Hispanic Latino, Native Hawaiian, Asian, Native American. 
A summer accounting program for high school students sponsored by several New York universities says, Fuck you, Whitey. The Career Opportunities and Accounting Profession Program sponsored by the New York State Society of Certified Public Accounts and the Monaghan Scholarship Fund will introduce 250 promising unrepresented high school students. Additional virtual session about forensic accounting, interviewing skills, public speaking, networking, and accounting professional overview. All being trained. Very important because you've got to go after those Republicans. This will, it'll be killed down. As defined by the EEOC, please refer to our requirements and information below to apply. WAPO again. Kamalia Harris speaks the truth about race and is unafraid. She's not black. You understand that, right? Then we have these winners, winners, chicken dinners. Kill everything white in sight. Speaker at National Black Power Convention calls for death to capitalism and maybe more. As always, we pushing death to white supremacy, that's right. death to capitalism, that's that's right. death to imperialism, and death to fascism. Yeah. We pushing an eye for an eye, yeah. a tooth for a tooth, yes, sir. a head for a head, right. and a life for a life. Now. These demons of white supremacy bust us upside the head and brought us over here to pick cotton so they can get rich, so they can get wealthy. That's what they did! But I would like to tell you. Even though you are not in Africa, Africa was born in you. Now, Africa was born in you. Now, now we did this powerful historical event. We must not let it stop right there. We must look deeply into the so-called black-on-black violence, the community violence, the fear, the self-hatred, which tricks us fight each other, which tricks us to gangbang. No. We must go into our hood, the hood, not outside, the real hood, and teach those hoods, teach those DVs, teach those white lords, teach those blood, teach those crips, that they started off revolutionary. You must understand that they put us through vicious suffering, vicious oppression. And when we defend themselves, when we defend ourselves, once they die, we must understand we can never give them the pain that they gave us. So once they get buried, Khalid Abdul Muhammad taught us, once they are buried, we must bury them, dig them up, and kill them again. Bury them, dig them up, and kill them again. Vicious, greedy ass white man took land. We were 1,000 years before Columbus, goddammit. My direct blood meaning 1,000 years before Columbus. And we know that the white man, his graveyard, 
only goes back a few hundred years. Our graveyard go back a few thousand years on this street, on this soil, on this land. Whose street? Our street. Whose street? Our street. Whose land? Our land. 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 So we must have reparations and our land. Our goddamn land. So don't let the white man fool you, telling you 300 people massacred at Tulsa. When I talk to you, Black Tulsa, tell me there was closer to 3,000 on this land that was massacred and attempted to put in a mass grave and hide the bodies. Kill us and tell us don't believe your lying eyes. They seem nice. They remind me, oh, wait a minute, Charlottesville. Yeah, no, that those are. You, you, we only cover that for white people. I gotcha. Yeah, that's cool. That, that's, that's fucking cool. Happening now, new Black Panthers and other armed African Americans are hosting a Second Amendment self-defense march in Tulsa, okay, to the 101st anniversary Tulsa massacre. Black supremacists in Tulsa rally, preach it. It's time to kill everything white in sight as revenge. The National Black Power Convention was held on the weekend in Tulsa, Oklahoma, to mark the 100th anniversary of the Black Wall Street Massacre. Events include a Second Amendment march for reparations with many participants exercising their right to open carry, which I'm just fine with, except when they sell say, kill all whiteies, because that's probably wrong, but, you know, what do I know? A disturbing video made the rounds online capturing a speech from a man someone uh, some see as a black supremacist purportedly being given... In Tulsa on Saturday, because, you know, we were there and we were filming everything, but we really don't know because, you know, stuff and stuff. There's stuff and things and stuff. We're pushing death to white supremacy, death to capitalism, death to imperialism, and death to fascism. The unidentified man, I need my glasses with a bullhorn said, we're pushing for an eye to an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a head for a head, a life for a life, because the time will come when there's a rat-a-tat-tat, he said, black Americans will kill everything white in sight. He ran it on about black nation and giving crackers hell from the cradle to the grave. That sounds nice. Pine tree riots showed them all. The struggle for reparation must be, this is a KTUL reported that the theme of the convention was reparations now. They omitted everything else, though, because, you know, rat-a-tat-tat, kill cracker. That doesn't help, Biden. You fucking bigot for thinking that's wrong. You're just, you're the racist. The struggle for reparation must be escalated. A news release from organizers said we must fight on every front to achieve redress and reparations for the atrocities committed upon Tulsa massacre descendants. We must intentionally the fight or we intensify the fight to achieve reparation for all 40 million blacks still grossly affected by racism, inequality, wealthy disparity, wealth disparity, police brutality and the like. Tulsa will mark a new beginning in the upgraded fight for reparation for black people. There's absolutely no appetite for that in Tulsa. They tried to pop something off last summer, but it always fizzles quickly. Not enough national media presence here to fuel it. Tulsa media couldn't be bothered to report it. Where is the media? Wasn't the AG in Tulsa? Yeah, 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 
Yeah, they were. And the biggest threat to our country is white supremacists. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, that's there. This is what we're doing simultaneously because we're running out of things called racist. Ellie Kemper exposed for allegedly winning the title of Queen of Love and Beauty at the Veiled Profit Ball, which according to sources is a KKK pageant. Thoughts? Story of the Deaf Noodles. Actor Ellie Kemper was named Queen of Love and Beauty in 1990 for St. Louis Veiled Prophet, and they show side-by-side pictures. By the way, the Veiled Prophet Ball and the org isn't the KKK. The ball is very exclusive, and the event has a slew of issues, but it hasn't, haven't found any KKK collections. Ben Shapiro, there's not a single iota of evidence that Ellie Kemper's a racist, so naturally, Twitter is trending her, and blue checks are calling her KKK princess. Absolute garbage. But of course, it doesn't have to be true. You know, simultaneously, you got Black Panther saying... Rat-a-tat-tat, kill Cracker from the cradle to the ground. <laughs> yep, Washington Post opinion. Laws against teaching critical race theory in college are unconstitutional. Teaching CRT as a theory is protected by the First Amendment, forcing people to participate in the struggle sessions where treatment differs by race, violates the 14th Amendment, and the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Yep, some of the worst examples of what we've heard taking place on campus or K-12 would be violations of federal, state, anti-discrimination laws. I suspect there'll be some lawsuits against it, and there's already been two, and two judges have found his reparation shit, which he just called for reparation, because... Coon man, war blackface, KKK dude, kind of like a bird. Signs a bill, forces of Virginia University to start reparations. Guther and Northman, coon man, approved legislation for forcing several universities to start programs benefiting descendants of slaves. University must provide tangible benefits such as college scholarships and economic development program to communities with demonstrative history of connection to slaves, and they will get struck down. One of the judges was appointed by Obama. You, you can't do this. But you can do this. Yeah. This, this is about what... Uh, I would play the montage of violence, but, but I've played it a million times. It's been a year since the fire at St. John's Church during George Floyd protests in D.C. The magic fire. It just happened. Nobody knows how. Church rectal Reverend Rob Fisher tells WTOP there's still a lot of repair in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, despite the Fishers tells me work for racial justice continues because we don't want them to burn us again. <laughs> Fire started by itself. Did the church spontaneously combust? Did the devil walk in? That's what I'm asking. The devil just walked in. Oh, yeah, Trump went to visit it after they tried to burn it down. Hmm. A white driver was arrested after she was accused of striking two black women with a car during a peaceful protest. Peaceful protest over the death of Andrew Brown Jr., North Carolina authorities say. A white driver was arrested. She was accused of striking two black women with a car during a peaceful protest over the death of Andrew Brown Jr. Lisa Michelle O'Quinn, 41, was charged with two counts of assault with a deadly weapon with intent to kill by use of motor vehicle, one count of careless and reckless conduct, and one count of unsafe movement. She'll also be counted as being a racist. 
Protesters block road. Woman makes right turn. Protesters get hit trying to prevent her from doing so. Woman gets arrested. If you want, you know, let's just watch the video. Now, understand, the guy that knocked out the Asian woman, and about every video I played on this show of Asian hate crimes, oh, wait a minute, no, just assaults, because we don't, we don't charge it as a hate crime because they're black, and black people can't hate, I don't fucking know, I think those guys saying we need to kill all whiteies are pretty hateful, but you know, what do I know, 40 Felony charges, private pile. 40. Catch and release. Because racial justice and shit. Here's the officer. He's fucked. Alex Stovall. He's done. First lieutenant. Screwed. He'll be gone. But, you know, saying Trump is a piece of shit. Being a Vinman, that was okay. Then we have this winner, winner, checking dinner. Check out nature if you want to learn about decoloniality. <laughs> Decolonialize. Uh, that's not even a word. New interest program as part of our commitment to foster diversity and inclusion. We're looking for a black candidate with a passion for science communication based in the UK for full-time paid news internship. It's a publication day and our paper just went online. Check out decolonity. I don't even know how to say in that. Decoloniality, an anti-oppressive practice for more ethical ecology. Highly er- recommended, scientists say. Thanks for this. So important and relevant. I'm totally using this in my next class. One for decolonized primatology list. One, I read it. On this, this day, the one-year anniversary of George Floyd killing, I would like to direct my science colleagues to this important new paper by Leif Wobbler and co-authors on decolonizing ecology. I just read the paper. So relevant. Every ecologist should read this paper and think about how colonialism has shaped their own views and research approaches. Then figure out how to apply such practices to build more inclusive ecology. Our work for more ethical ecology. What a wicked, wicked, foolish paper. What nonsense. What is decolonity? And here I thought you were a nature publication. Great to see nature getting into the content properly peer-reviewed by editorial mode of teen fucking Vogue. While simultaneously, Twitter may start labeling your tweets based on how wrong you are. Twitter's working on three levels of misinformation. Warning label. Get the latest. Stay informed. Snorted 60 grams of dehydrated moxo, monoxide, and I'm not feeling so well right now. Get the latest. Get the info about H2O. In 12-hour darkness, we'll send in parts of the world. Learn more about the concept of time zones. I'm, I'm literally, uh, let me put this picture up. Jesus freaking Christ. So those that have been on Twitter know, do you want to read the article? Are you sure you want to do this? You know, you could be offensive because I put WTF. That's what it told me. So now it's going to do this. Get the latest info. Stay informed. Misleading. So far, there are three levels of misinformation. Get the latest. 
stay informed, misleading. App researcher Jane Wanchen Wong tweeted on Monday how accurate a tweet is determined if Twitter's system tack on one of these three labels, each of which include a prompt directing users to additional information. Ostensibly, there would be a link to Twitter-created page or external vetted source coming from the DNC or... Uh, fucking uh blm or sunrise movement or uh other marxist fucking anti-american fucking fascist organizations sure it's unclear what this feature would launch it ever sees a lot of day that is and whether it would be consequences for users caught repeatedly posting misinformation twitter not immediately replied but they're going to shut you down it's like every week they try to figure out a new way to make this site worse Sarcasm dies a swift, cold death at its hands. The blue check mark already does that. Twitter just suspended me for mocking an anti vaxxer, so I'm sure they'll be fine with this. I'm sure it's going to be completely fair, accurate, unbiased. Oh, of course. Yeah. This is our U.S. embassy to the Holy See celebrates Pride Month with a pride flag on display during the month of June. The United States respects the dignity and equality of LGBTQ. So embarrassing. Just what we want the diplomatic corps to do right, shoving a stick in the eye of the Vatican. Would it be nice if we had some Catholics at the U.S. Embassy to see this? Yeah. Hey, POTUS! Why are government employees trolling the Vatican on tax paradigm? Even though you're not meaningful Catholic, why unnecessarily piss off an ally? Going to do the same in the Middle East? I highly doubt that. But we're still indoctrinating. This is Blue's cute, cute clues. Yeah, yeah, you, you see it. It's a tranny. It's a tranny in a kid's show. Mm-hmm. Pride Month's upon us, and with that, the onslaught of LGBTQ fascism propaganda from every corporation and media outlet. Unfortunately for the children of America, classic cartoons such as Blue's Clues are the latest mechanism used to target kids and snuff out their innocence. Blue's Clues published a video to its YouTube channel entitled Blue's Clues Pride Parade Sing Along, and it sounded a little something like this. Blue, look at all these families. Hi, families. It's time for a pride parade. Families marching one by one. Hurrah, hurrah. Families marching one by one. Hurrah, hurrah. This family has two mommies. They love each other so proudly. And they all go marching in the big parade. Families marching two by two. Hurrah, hurrah. Families marching two by two. Hurrah, hurrah. This family has two daddies. They love each other so proudly. And they all go marching in the big parade. Come on, friends. Families marching three by three. Hurrah, hurrah. Families marching three by three. Hurrah, hurrah. These papas are non-binary. They love each other so proudly. And they all go marching in the big Families marching four by four, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching four by four, hurrah, hurrah. Trans members of this family all love each other so proudly, and they all go marching in the big parade. Come join the fun! Families marching five by five, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching five by five, hurrah, hurrah. Some people choose their family. They love each other so proudly and they all go marching.
marching in the big parade. Families marching six by six, hurrah, hurrah. hurrah. Families marching six by six, hurrah, hurrah. Ace by and pan, grown-ups you see, can love each other so proudly. And they all go marching in the big parade. Oh, yeah! Families marching seven by seven, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching seven by seven, hurrah, hurrah. All families are made differently. They love each other so proudly. And they all go marching in the big parade. Hooray! Families marching eight by eight, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching eight by eight, hurrah, hurrah. This house is a family of kings and queens. They love each other so proudly. And they all go marching in the big parade. Let's celebrate! Families marching nine by nine, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching nine by nine, hurrah, to the queer community can love their queer friends so proudly and they all go marching in the big parade families marching 10 by 10 hurrah hurrah families marching 10 by 10 hurrah hurrah love is love is love you see and everyone should love proudly and we'll all go marching in the big Thanks, Blue! Happy Pride Month! Nope! Not a cult! Not a cult whatsoever! If you think it's a cult, you're a fucking crackhead. Oh, wait a minute! Then there's this, 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 this thing. Uh, yeah, th- th- this is, this is fucking bad. EU study says 39% of Spanish children reported feeling happy after seeing sexual images who the fuck what is wrong with you 2020 eu kids online study compared surveys finding from 19 european countries have found that in most countries most children who saw sexual images online were neither upset nor happy ranging from 27 percent in switzerland to 72 percent in lithuania between 10% and 4% were fairly or very upset. Between 3% of children in Estonia and 39% in, in Spain reported feeling happy. UNICEF says pornography not only harmful, not always harmful to children. Seriously, what the fuck? The agenda couldn't be even clearer. They're trying to normalize everything that is evil and wrong in the world. Gaslighting and inversion is the new name of the game. Perhaps a flood is indeed in order. Satan comes out of hiding. There's an all-out battle for people's souls between good and evil. Well, this article saved me about $200 a year. I hadn't begun giving to them this year. This makes me seriously doubt them and their intention. The spirit of corruption is difficult to hinder and nearly impossible to kill. That's why you get shit like this. Don't fuck publicans. That's what we've been asking for, but you elected Joe Biden anyway. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. Georgetown student petition going to rename Nat Reagan National Airport after LGBT dance mom star JoJo Siwa. More than 20,000 people have signed a Georgetown student petition. 
petition to change the name of Ronald Reagan Airport, University of Massachusetts history professor, who said in April that the problem with academia today is that it has too many conservatives, supports the move as genuinely phenomenal idea. Yeah. Georgetown undergraduate Dylan Long authored the one-sentence petition, which has garnered over 71,000 signatures. Why on earth is there an airport named after this war criminal? Sawa, seven-year-old, came out as a member of the LGBT community in January via TikTok. She identified herself as pansexual and people-exclusive last month. 17 years old. I'm sorry. I said seven. Yeah. These people are horrible. Which brings me to this thread I found that we'll end the show on and move to a beautiful BRCC song or Matt Best. John Hayward. The true bloody and brutal story of Antifa abolished the police and Black Lives Matter is following exactly the same trajectory as the Wuhan Lab League story. The truth was dismissed as a conspiracy theory and ruthlessly suppressed until it could no longer be ignored. With both the coronavirus origin and urban unrest stories, the media ran like a witless herd, easily manipulated by small groups of bad sources with big megaphones, easily stampeded away from listening to the icky people who happened to be telling the truth. This one reason it's important not to let the media get away with the half-hearted shrug of golly, maybe we should have taken that lab leak theory seriously after all, and about a furious stealth editing for their old callous dismissals. They keep doing this. It's systemic. It's a huge problem when our entire media apparatus, a very important element of democracy, that's why we have the First Amendment, keeps getting major stories wrong due to herd think and political bias. It's a problem when the media doesn't report the truth until it becomes impossible to ignore it. It's an exceptionally big problem. We're not just talking about left-wing networks and newspaper misinforming their audience. We're talking about garbage media coverage being weaponized by big tech so the people telling the truth are actively suppressed, not merely ignored. If the information regime today had been fully operational in 2004, everyone who blew holes in the Dan Rather National Guard memo scam would have been silenced by big tech. Their tweets deleted, their Facebook accounts nuked. The truth would have been prosecuted as disinformation. The Wuhan leak theory was discredited by a handful of deeply conflicted scientists with ties to the Wuhan lab. They influenced a media that loathed Trump and all of his officials handling them, a packaged story that became conventional wisdom overnight. And the wholly false narratives was then weaponized by lefty big tech into censorship doctrine that silenced people who stayed from the packaged narrative. We got banned or flagged in 2020 for discussing what the media suddenly decided was acceptable in 2021. This keep happening. It happened again with urban violence, Mandafa, abolish the police, Black Lives Matter. The same factors were in play, influential sources with narratives to peddle, politically biased reporters of people telling the truth were icky. It's been happening for a long time. Past decades are filled with left-wing sources, easily manipulated, biased reporters, media flocking like geese to follow each other, junk reporting, storytelling, and narratives favored over truth, partisan interests, controlled press. Students of media bias have troves of favorite stories about media firestorms spiked by dubious sources who weren't questioned because... 
Their story fit the media biases. Tiny groups could shoot off a couple of flaxes and trigger comical avalanche of headline news. But now we have censorship loop that run from corrupt sources, big media, big tech. Some of those loops begin with tweets and Facebook posts, bringing it full circle. Online chatter lauded through big media and hammered into censorship directives by online platforms. Among many reasons to be deeply worried about the censorship loop, the Chinese Communist Party excels at presenting packaged news stories to foreign media outlets. They spend huge amount of money and thousands of man hours perfecting such operation. And what I didn't get in the picture, and that's why I accidentally went forward. Chinese influence on worldwide media surges during pandemic. And we've already done an article where they paid our media hundreds of thousands of dollars to fulfill the narrative they were looking for. That being the Chinese. We got serious problems, boys and girls. It's pretty huge because it isn't just what he spoke of. We have fucking everything from the Russian collusion to the election where we didn't even cover the 80 voting changes that would have been pretty end of days of Trump had done it. I mean, really, everything's this way. January 6th is this way. They have already inlaid in people's minds that policemen were murdered and they weren't, that people were armed, that it was the worst thing since the Civil War. 9-11, insert bad date the left is using for this week's talking point. Boys and girls, this isn't going to be good. If we continue like this, I mean, if you want anarchy, as I cover my face up, if you want unrest, if you want division, you keep arresting people that are trying to save their lives from mobs, And you keep letting the people out that are in the mob that are murdering people and knocking out Asian people while you lie that it's white people. You think we're bad now. Keep this shit up. So we're going to go into our lighter fare. One of them is a show that I watched this week. Another isn't a lighter fare. It's kind of sad. It is Lay the Warriors to Rest by Matt Best. The first one, enjoy. The second one, remember.
To the first, that's a really nice song by Black Rock Coffee. I actually put that on my phone. Uh, pretty poignant for those that are vets and have lost friends over the last 20 years of conflict that nobody seems to care about. Really care about. You, you do Memorial Day, but yeah, that's about it. It's all. It's about all we could fit in, even though, as I stress all the time, it is multirational, sexual orientation. It's pretty much the demographic of demographic. That's It covers everything. It's safe, but, you know, left doesn't like it, so what are we going to do? The second one is Raised by Wolves, and that scene's pretty scary. That's a necromancer. It is a concept, and spoiler alert ahead of time, of two androids at the end of, you know, we fucked up the planet, yada, 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 and we're fighting, and there's religion. It's very anti-religion. You can tell this is a libtard written, we hate religion, we hate America, we hate that we're not all living in caves. Well, you are not all living in caves because we're killing the planet. It's pretty much sunrise movement meets atheist. I mean, because every episode you're going to have anti-religion something. It's taking uh, Handmaid's Tale to the next fucking level. But concept is at the end of this, they shoot two aliens or two androids. One's been reprogrammed. She was a necromancer, which was used by the atheists to kill the Christians. And she's supposed to raise children. They bring embryos. And it's a real fucking planet or supposed planet. It's Kepler 22b. It was found by the Kepler satellite in 2011. It's real. It's like 6,000 light years away. It would take you 18,000 years to get there. So we'll never be there. But it's a planet circling a star that could possibly have life and water they think but that's really far away so i I don't really think they know that but anyway it's pretty good it devolves around episode seven through ten gets a little bit weird but it's pretty good it's worth watching so you can get it on hbo max it's one of their original series i wanted to cover it and that wraps up another episode of flyover politic podcast not doing the what did we learn because i think that last thread there pretty much sums it up It's been our theses for the last couple months that post-election, all the truth comes out. It just always happens. And that shows we have a major problem with our media. They can get on TV and say we really need to stamp out misinformation and Twitter can silence everybody. But the truth always comes out. And the more the truth comes out and it's the exact polar opposite of what the media and the Democrats are saying, you won't even be able to keep in those groups that you're scaring with racism. You're not going to be able to keep it hold together forever. You can change every laws. Eventually, before our lifetime's done, this revolution will be over, and it'll be found to be the most shallow, narcissistic power grab we've ever seen based on utter lies and total disdain for the country. Because before they're done, if they're not stopped, we will be owned by China. Our debt is so huge. Keep handing out the free. Eventually you run out of it and you do a Clinton where they pull the rug out of a lot of the demographics that they're pitching to right now. And they're left with no money. You can keep feeding the dog, but eventually it's going to bite you when you stop feeding it. And that's eventually going to happen. They're going to be hurting. But it's going to take a long time because they keep being the fascists they are. They're silencing any opposing views 
as I said they would, and they're not reporting anything that's inconvenient for the lies coming out of administration, like every administration. They all lie. Just all of a sudden we had a problem with Trump lying or Bush lying. Remember, H. Bush is the greatest thing ever to everybody now. There's been people who are actually guilty of what they did to that man because they just made some shit up and they got rid of him because they couldn't have 16 years of Republicans. They just couldn't do it. They're unhinged. And remember, last thing, because I said I wasn't going to surmise, but I will. That mental health study says it all. You are seeing it every day. These people are not good. And they're on your TV every day. That's pretty fucking scary. So, go to FopPodcast.com for this episode and last episode, and links to get every episode ever done. Disconnect from your devices. Don't give the yeah yes, And let's tune back in on uh, Sunday, 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 6th June, Year of Our Lord, 2021, for our next show. Thanks for listening, folks, and take care.